the Lord be with you. Also with you. Can we turn me down? Ooh. Can I whisper? I'll whisper the good news for you today. Can you imagine an entire sermon just someone whispering? Like, it would be interesting. Let's give it a go. No, just kidding. No, no, I'm I'm really excited to see everybody this morning. Um, uh, yesterday, uh, my daughters and I we we went to Geist Park and uh, just took a stroll. Like it was so great. Uh, I'm so thankful spring is here, um, that the sun is out, that it's vaguely warm but still warm. So I'm thankful for that. Um, so the scripture focus for today is First John three sixteen, not to be confused with John three sixteen, but very relatable. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life, gave up his life for us. So we ought to live or give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Um, So uh, the current season that we're in is after the resurrection of Jesus. uh, The the season that we're in is called Eastertide. uh, And we're moving through the book of 1 John. Um, And uh, if you you don't mind, uh, let's just take a trip down memory lane just for a few minutes. We'll, you know, entertain uh, our memories a little bit. Um, So uh, Christians, uh, about 60 years, 60-ish years after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, they they had faced some severe persecution. So they they had been scattered throughout the region, uh, but Christianity had survived. Like, uh, they, they had survived. Uh, the faith in Jesus had survived. But, but there was this declining commitment to live the way Christ lived. And so you might say that Christians during the time might have had maybe just a little bit of an identity crisis. And to help force the issue or to help drive that narrative, there were false prophets of, as well trying to drive this narrative that, uh, Jesus was just an apparition, like that's, that's not the real way to do life. So, um, so there was this identity crisis in the church back then. And so, so they, they, they may have been asking questions like, well, who was Jesus? And, and, and who are we because of who Jesus was or was not? And how do we live? Like, how do we live with this narrative of Jesus might be an apparition? Or was he, was he Savior? Did he come to save us? So, this book, John, was written for those Christians at the time to help them, like, understand who Jesus was and who they were because of who Jesus was. So, and the reason why John wanted to help, wanted to help out and wrote the letter was because John spent time with Jesus. So, he may have known a thing or two about hanging out with Jesus, He dined with Jesus, he sat at his feet, he learned from Jesus, he watched Jesus heal people, okay? So he may or may not have known a thing or two about Jesus. And so John's account starts, and and Matt preached a couple weeks ago, that God is light. And because God is light, and our true selves have been revealed in this light, we can trust him with who we really are. Not with who we want to be, not with who we're trying to be, right? But with who we really are. And because we can trust with him who we really are, 
we don't have to be afraid of ourselves or other people. And there's an axiom that we, that we talk about in this church that God most fully meets us in reality with where we really are. And God's light helps shed where we really are, our desires, our wants, our longings, okay? And then the next week, Matt preached again, right? <laughs> About God is love, and, and because God is love, he calls us his children, right? He calls us his children. We, we now have an identity as Christians that, that we are his children. And because we are born of the Father, we are loved as well, okay? Which leads us to today. So, uh, but the challenge, though, is even if God is light and God is love and we are children, it's at that time, and I would even say even today, it's hard to discern and know, am I really living in the light? Am I, am I really living as a person of love, as a child of God? And there's so many people, uh, including myself, <laughs> preaching today, right, talking about love and loving others and what that looks like. There's all these paradigms and perceptions of what love is that sometimes it's really hard to know if, if you're living in the light or if, or if other people are living in the light. There's a ton of confusing messages inside the church and outside the church I'm always about like five seconds away from a tangent, <laughs> and this is a good, <laughs> nope, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. Uh, there's always conflicting messages on what love is and what, lo <laughs> what loving people looks like, what it really looks like. So even today when love appears to be a thought or a good idea, or maybe, maybe it looks like a project or propaganda. Or even as uh, love is used as a commodity to get other people to do what we want them to do. We proclaim the good news today that if we doubt, or if you ever doubt, if I, if I ever doubt or guess what real love looks like, we proclaim that real love looks like Jesus. It's simple. If we ever have to, if we ever guess or doubt what real love looks like, it looks like Jesus. So uh, this this happened about five years ago, um, I, and I don't know if you you've ever been part of this, but uh, I um, I have a coffee addiction. <laughs> so there, I know, I know. So I about five years ago. Um, I, I was in the Starbucks line. Uh, there, there's a Starbucks at 116th and I-69. And I was in that uh, drive-through line, and uh, for my cup of Joe, uh, to to jumpstart my heart. I think there's a song that says "Jumpstart My Heart." Um, and so as I was approaching, uh, you know, sitting in my car, I the barista, the drive-through barista, opens the door, and she hands me my cup of coffee. Uh, no room, just straight black coffee. And she, she says, hey, uh, the person in front of you paid for your coffee. Would you like to pay for the car behind you? Uh, and if you're anything like me, 
like, I'm like, oh, wow, that was super generous of the car in front of me. But here's what's going through my mind, okay? I don't know who's in the car behind me, for one. And also, I don't know what they ordered. And thirdly, is what they ordered more expensive than what I just bought? And that gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. You know, and, uh, and primarily uh, because uh, I, I am not the beholder of the finances in my house. And so, so if, I come ho- or if, if I come home and there's this, you know, $40 receipt because of the 10 drinks the person ordered behind me, like, I'm just going to, like, I am going to get in so much trouble. And so... And so I did, um, I did uh, what um, any, any person who um, uh, uh, is fearful, I chose to not pay it forward for the people behind me. So I stopped the chain. Well, I started doing research on this, and, and uh, I think in Florida, the, the record holder for pay it forwards was like 750 cars. Now, allegedly, in China, I think it was, it was like 19,000. I don't know if Google's right or if Wikipedia's right, but... So, after, so afterwards, you know, I'm walking through these statistics, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just, I just broke the chain. I'm a, I'm a terrible person, right? And so I'm like, oh, wow, well, these were generous gifts of kindness. I received this free drink, and I didn't have to pay for the person behind me, the... The barista's looking at me like I'm crazy. And so I question, like, am I, am I doing, did I do something wrong? Am I, am I doing this right? There was this, like, guilt that, that happened on me. And I'm like, oh, man. Now, I hope you're not like me and you don't jump through all these mental gymnastics <laughs> about the pay it forward line in Starbucks. But sometimes when we're going through life and, and we see other churches or we see other people, maybe we even see our own spouse and how generous they are or not. And, and you're just like, wow, I wonder, but, but that church over there, they're doing all these service projects, but like, and I'm not. So is that real love or am I, am I a loving person or, or is that real love? So what is it? So the good news today is that we don't have to doubt what real love looks like. Real love looks like Jesus. And so the, the even better news is John in his, uh, the book of 1 John, John helps us because he gives very concrete details. Like he's very, uh, he uses terms like uh, dark and light, uh, God and Satan. So in, John, in 1 John 3.16... He says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Uh, Today, so real love looks like giving up your life for your brothers and sisters. Today, Ben mentioned it at the beginning of the sermon. Today is, or at the beginning of service, today is called Good Shepherd Sunday. In Psalm 23, it's the very beginning, says, the Lord is my shepherd. And in John 10, it says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. Real love 
looks like laying down your life for the lives of others. That's what real love looks like. The miracle and the mystery of true love is that someone is laying down their life for the sake of someone else. The fullest revelation of God's love was shown in Jesus' death. So real love is this, is this self-emptying instead of this self-preserving attitude. Real love is not this commodity, but it is a commission with God, with the good shepherd. Love isn't something we do to people. Love is something we get to do with God. So, but the interesting thing is, in 1 John 16, it talks about laying down your life, but immediately after that, because that sounds like uh, love is um, a total supreme sacrifice, right? But John follows up in verse 17 and says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God be in that person? So John starts getting a little more granular about what self-sacrifice looks like. It doesn't necessarily have to be revealed as supreme sacrifice. Um, May is one of my favorite months, not because my birthday is in May, but because there's race cars going around a two and a half mile oval at 230 miles an hour, and it's awesome. <laughs> and uh, a couple of years ago, one of the minor league races, um, uh, the, the, the driver, we got to meet the driver of one of the minor league races, which isn't too glamorous, but uh, he was from Australia, had a really cool accent, you know. Um, and so we got to hang out with him a little bit. And we have, and me and a few buddies have built a relationship with him, and uh, he actually won a few races last year. And he, he now has the opportunity to move up uh, a level in his driving career but whenever he's telling this story, like, he seems, like, super disappointed. And we're like, wait a minute, this is good, right? Like, you get to move up. And he said, well, I have to f somehow find $600,000 in sponsorships to race at the next level. And so I'm sitting there going, oh, man, like, could we, could we possibly, like, give, give him $600,000? $600,000? Like, could we do that? Like, that would be awesome. Like, that would be, that would be the ultimate, like, gift, right? Like, emptying out our 401ks and Roth IRAs and all the penalties that come along to, to make sure this guy gets to the next level, right? That would be extremely costly <laughs> for my family, right? But love is not a supreme sacrifice, right? Or it doesn't have to look like that. And if you're anything like me, sometimes like whenever I love people, like I want the big idea. I, wa I, want, I want it to spread throughout Judea or, or uh, Avalon subdivision in, <laughs> in my neighborhood. Like I, I, I want, I'm the big idea guy, right? So that's what I, that is my perception of love. Or maybe your what you're good at is listening to people. Maybe listening to people at work that go on and on and on and on. And you're like, I'm just trying to get some things done and you keep talking. But maybe 
Maybe it's something little. And you are hoping that you could do something big for the world as your display of love. But if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? You see, friends, real love is not just a good idea or a big idea or a little thing. Real love is an identity revealed in what we actually do with what we see in front of us. Real love is an identity that we embody and that we do with what we see with what's right in front of us. The next thing in uh, 1 John 3.18, John gives a, a third example. He says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Friends, real love is not propaganda. It's a posture revealed by the truth of what we do. Real love is not propaganda. It's not just talk. Real love is revealed by what we actually do. Uh, on Mike and Mike in the Morning, um, it's a sports uh, talk radio show. They, they, it's no longer in existence. They, they disbanded. But um, a, a couple years ago, on Mike and the Mike in the Morning, they were talking about how athletes were told to take care of others, and, they, and other people will take care of you. So as long as, you're, as long as you're taking care of other people, don't worry, they will take care of you. But one of the commentators said that that is completely untrue because what happens when we get older, yeah, that, that sounds good, right? You take care of others, they'll take care of you. But what happens as adults in the American culture as we get older is that we learn to compete with one another. We learn to compete. So we're told to share as toddlers, right, growing up, and then we're taught to compete when we get older. So we, it's no wonder why there's this identity crisis when it comes to knowing how to love and serve each other. We are told to do one thing, but our actions reveal another, right? Real love is not propaganda. Real love is a posture. Uh, there's a quote from a guy with the last name of Dodd. I forgot to put his first name down. <laughs> his last name is Dodd. But he says, love is the willingness to surrender that which has value for our own life to enrich the life of another. Love is the willingness to surrender that which has value for our own life to enrich the life of another. Jesus did this for us. God did this for us. He surrendered his own life. He gave us him, his body, so that we would know what real love looks like. Today, friends, love is not a commodity but a commission with God. Love is not an idea but an identity given to us by the good shepherd. Love is not propaganda for self-preservation but a posture of self-emptying so others may have life. Love Loving others is not a project for us to do as a church together. People are not projects. When people become projects, they feel used. <laughs> so love is not a project. Love is an identity given to us by God through his spirit. And God's demonstration of love wasn't a one-time event. 
It didn't end at the cross. But it's shown continuously through us, his followers, through our church, through the table. Friends, today we don't have to guess or doubt what real love looks like. It looks like Jesus. Um, before we go into a time of responding to this good news, that, that love looks like Jesus, uh, I'll leave you with this final thought. Um, for me, love is extremely safe and manageable when it is just an idea or a movie script that I don't have to participate in. It's extremely safe for me. But I know that uh, when real love is revealed by my actions, I'm living into the identity that God originally created for me. When you are living in love, you are living out the identity that God originally created in Adam and Eve and on to this day through his church. When you live in love, you live out the identity that God has given you. You are his child. So for me as well, <laughs> uh, one thing that I'm doing to... Um, to embody this good news, um, uh, here at the table, and this, this isn't a plug, but um, this is just a reality, uh, something that we do as a church, but uh, we have what's called table groups, and it's, and it's discipleship. And, um, and through this discipleship, I'm able, I'm able to bring things uh, to, into discipleship uh, that may appear unloving <laughs> and, it, and, and hold it out to those people long enough for God's light to shine on it and for people to proclaim good news over that. For those people, to, <laughs> I'm able to hold those, that, that badness out long enough for people to proclaim good news so I can become the kind of person, so we can become the kind of church that God helped establish through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. And w one of the ways it plays out is uh, uh, through, my, uh, through my actions with my family. Like, I want to become the f kind of father and the kind of husband and the kind of friend that uh, embodies this posture and this identity of love. And it's hard for me. Like, it's really hard. But, um, so with my, with my daughters, uh, I was having a conversation with with one of them uh, before she went to bed, and she was struggling with some relationships at school. And so my initial reaction, uh, remember, I'm big idea guy. I'm like, oh, well, let's, let's put all your friends in a room and like, let's, let's preach to them, right? That's a great idea. Seventh graders hearing yeah, a 40-year-old preach at them, that's, that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> But sometimes, or so I'm, I'm having this conversation with her, and um, so my, so that's my impulse. Let's get this big idea out. Let's get them in a room. Let's let's have fun. Let's invite them over. Preach good news. Blah blah. blah. 
But sometimes love just looks like me sitting on the edge of her bed listening to her. That's what love looks like. And asking her, like, and just being curious about how she's feeling. You know? That's hard for me to do. Like, that is hard. Or listening in general is hard for me to do. Because I love talking. (laughs) As you couldn't, didn't already ascertain. (laughs) You know? Sometimes love just looks like sitting with your friends and asking and just being curious about where they are in their life, saying, hey, that seems significant to you. Why is that? Sometimes that's what love looks like. Laying down your wants, your desires for the sake of someone else. So how about you? First of all, what do you believe about love? What do you believe about love? Usually what you believe, what Usually what we believe about love is centered around what we believe about God and who you are based on who you think God is, right? So what do you, th- what do you believe about God? Or what do you believe about love? What ideas about love have formed and shaped your perspective? Or when is it hard for you to love others? Your kids? Your teachers? Your coworkers? How about yourself? When is it hard to love yourself? So, um, so we're going to take a, a time just to reflect. We're just going to have a couple moments of silence, and then um, there's, a, there's a prayer in your bulletin. Um, so at the table, what we like to do, um, we like to respond to good news. We like to give you uh, something actionable and immediate to respond to this good news that you don't have to guess or doubt what real love looks like. It looks like Jesus. So we, we, we have the opportunity to respond to this good news. Right, Joel? Yeah, we do. And we, we get to do it now, if you choose. So, and at the bottom it says, Father, thank you for showing me that real love looks like Jesus. Help me live into this real love identity when. And then um, you'll say, Lord, in your mercy, and we'll all respond. Uh, hear our prayer. So just take a few minutes, just reflect, just reflect on um, the, uh, God's love, what real love looks like. It's not a commodity, it's not propaganda, it's not an idea. And then we'll uh, pray this prayer together.